Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Athena Zone. I am Laura Brown. We're currently waiting for Janet to join us. But in the meantime, I wanted to get things rolling and discuss a little bit about the archetypes and energy of the 2016 election. As we know, unless you've been living under a rock, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are the two frontrunners with the two main parties. And things have been heating up, getting very contentious, and it seems that opinions on each side, whether you're for Trump or for Hillary, are exceptionally, exceptionally, um, are exceptionally strong. I just heard from Janet, and she said she's having some troubles, so I'm going to try to guide her in here and help her out so she can join in the fun. All right, so when I'm looking at this from the broader perspective, and I'll get started in this conversation while we wait for Janet to to call in, I look at it from the broad perspective first as this sort of precarious battle, if you will, between the sacred feminine as represented by Hillary Clinton and the status quo patriarchal sort of energy that we've been dealing with uh, for, since time memoriam between those two sort of coming head-to-head and battling. Oh, it looks like we have Janet on the line. Let's go ahead and hear from her. Hey, Janet, Hi, good to have you on. I can. Oh, good. I kept trying to call, and and it was just ringing. I didn't even hear the blog talk, and I was like, oh, no, what's wrong? So, anyway, I'm here. Sorry. (laughs) It's okay. We were just getting started. No, today it moves forward. But, you know, we have that shadow period for about two weeks. (laughs) So. I guess I'm in it. (laughs) (laughs) I went ahead and started things off just kind of, you know, obviously giving the introduction to what we're talking about today, but then kind of looking at it from the broader perspective, which I had mentioned to you when we were discussing the show and looking at this in the broadest level as a sort of sacred feminine versus patriarchal sort of emperor-esque energy status quo and the change that's happening there and all the anger and 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 contentious you know debate and and energy that circulates it has less to do in my opinion with the individuals in question and more to do with that that archetype that archetypal change that's going on with the idea of moving from a male-led society to a female led society and you know I I had somebody that brought this up to me a while ago just talking about how you know we have to really investigate if what we're feeling when we're debating these topics is about that resistance to that change to that sort of handing of the torch over or whether it's you know it's genuinely rooted in either of the candidates does that make sense yeah and it's interesting that you um, just in that little speech you gave you mentioned anger in the torch and there's fire and i you know i was looking at both of their astrological charts today and interestingly even though trump is a gemini sun and clinton is a scorpio sun that that's air and water respectively mm-hmm. their charts are actually both dominated by fire and yeah he has mars and leo conjunct in leo i believe and his he's got a sag moon and his ascendant is leo and interestingly Clinton's ascendant is Leo as well. 
And so um, she's mostly dominated by fire, but then water, he's mostly dominated by fire and air. And I think their archetypes um, reflect that, and they're both fixed, you know, so there's a mm-hmm. bunch of stubbornness there. But let me back up and um, explain what archetypes are, just in case somebody doesn't know what the arch- word archetype means and, you know, we're throwing this word around. Let me go ahead and back up real quick. An archetype is a universal pattern of behavior. It's easily recognizable um, all around the world. For example, a mother, a queen, a warrior, a sage, a mystic. Um, it's the larger-than-life stuff, the heroes and the villains. It's, you know, myths, movies, literature, religion. Um, you know, archetypes have light and shadow qualities. So when we illuminate those, you know, because a lot of times the patterns are unconscious, not only in we as humans, but also in what we're recognizing in others. And that's why a lot of times, you know, when it comes to especially religious or political um, discussions, it quickly spirals down to emotionalism and attacks because, you know, we haven't yet gotten up to what I call, and Carolyn Mace calls, symbolic sight, where we can actually see the energy and archetypes playing out, detach ourselves a bit and say, oh, wait a minute, I see what's going on here, and be more rational. So when we illuminate these projected patterns or often unconscious patterns, um, we can bring them into awareness. And by releasing the dysfunctional expressions of an archetype, we can then upgrade it and use it for the positive benefit. So if, if that kind of makes sense how I described it. Sure, and I think it's it's interesting because I, I was looking at it um, from the archetypal energy as well with their tarot cards, birth cards, you know, looking at personality, soul, and shadow cards. And oh. you talk about the dysfunctional qualities of of different archetypes. Well, Trump comes in with the personality of the fool card, um, and his soul expression is number four, card four, the emperor. And when I was delving into those energies and those archetypes, what 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 sort of sung highest to me was the fact that I think if we look at his behavior and just what we've seen thus far, many of us would probably be on the same page that he's a rather unintegrated and perfectly realized emperor as well as you know fool energy now for those who don't understand the fool energy is it can be that of new beginnings and you know this sort of naivety that anything you know the world is our oyster and anything is possible but it can also when it's at its shadow expression can represent foolish mistakes uh, acting before thinking um so and then the emperor we have somebody who at, at its fullest form is is a leader they're you know the the patriarch they're leading by example they're bringing people together in a very alchemic way helping to inspire the best and all but in in a, in an imperfectly realized emperor we have the flavor of the more tyrannical controlling manipulative personality traits and you know hearing you talk about the dysfunction of archetypal energies that really resonated with me and what I'm seeing in his tarot archetypes because it's clear that he's sort of operating with what could be very keen and and leadership qualities, but I don't feel that they have been illuminated. I don't feel that they have been perfectly realized, and because of this, it's sort of amassing to what could potentially be a, a bit dangerous. Mm-hmm. 
You know, that, that's interesting you were bringing up um, tarot birth cards. I, I'm not a big proponent of those. But, you know, it is true that Trump is a birth path for, um, you know, in numerology. His life path is a four, which co- corresponds in tarot to Trump for the emperor. While Clinton's mm-hmm. birth um, number, her life path is a three, which corresponds to the empress. So it's very interesting that's that you pointed out. That's her birth card, too. Yeah. That's her soul oh, expression really? card. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, isn't that so? So she has. Yeah. Well, I follow Mary Kay Greer's methodology. I don't know. I mean, I know that there's a couple um, different uh, methods that are out there, but I find hers to be very, very accurate. It tends to be a little bit more complicated, quote unquote, for some people to to figure out. But I find it to be just so much more encompassing and and accurate. And she does. She has a Hillary. Yeah, Hillary Clinton has the Empress card as her soul expression and her personality as the world card. So you're looking again at that nurturing, um, giving quality that it takes a village, which ironically is the book she wrote. Right. As first lady. How apropos. Well, and what's great about the combination of these two energies, when you just look at the energy, somebody that that has this sort of alchemic blend, typically, even though the empress is all about her home, you know, where, you know, that, that grounding energy, her space, the world card helps us to envision something larger. So it's not just about the here and now. It's not about instant gratification or flash in the pan type thinking and decisions. It's very much rooted in long-term possibility. Which I think, again, when we're looking at this from an energetic level, are qualities that we would want in a world leader. Exactly. Yeah. And I was thinking about chakras, you know, I love my chakras. Because archetypes <laughs> dance, well, archetypes dance with chakras. And, let me, and for those who are not familiar with chakras, um, most people. Um, some say there's more than seven, but most people agree on at least the seven, where they, they're invisible energetic points that go from our tailbone all the way up to the top of our head. And at each of these chakras, they're like energetic vortexes and bands that can either spin positive, spin negative, or um, be closed and blocked or be way too wide open. So just like archetypes, they can have a functional and healthy expression or dysfunctional. And I was thinking about the energy of what – who these candidates are appealing to, and mm-hmm. and and I thought, you know, as I got to thinking about it, I realized that Trump is appealing to the lower chakras. Now, I always we you know joke about slumming in the um, lower chakras, but the lower <laughs> chakras are just just as important as the upper chakras because that's what grounds grounds us in reality. But um, he is appealing to the lower chakras because okay, we have chakra one, which is security, and mm-hmm. so. He's a big proponent of that tribe of mentality and tribalism. Exactly. So who's the problem? Muslims. You know, and he's big on you know deportation, building a wall, security. That feeds right into first chakra fears of people who sees this violence coming from quote others, as in probably non-white, and so they become defensive. And so he's appealing to that first chakra, but he's also appealing, I feel, to the second chakra of envy. Because notice he dates and has married beautiful women and models. I mean, I've seen pictures of him with his wife, and instead of just, you know, an attractive portrait, you know, he's sitting there in a gilded room um, in front of a piano while his wife Melania is draped over with her boobs practically falling out. And then, of course, all his 
all his property, and, and you know, yeah. that's all second chakra, you know, money, sex, property. And then there's the third chakra he's appealing to. People, I think, are attracted to his boldness. Um, but that bleeds into, like you were talking about, the full card, open up in your mouth and just anything comes out. Um, but mm-hmm. people find that refreshing because I think they find a lot of politicians are so careful about what they say that they almost appear deceitful or like they're hiding something when they're just trying not to get into trouble with their mouth. But see, Trump doesn't care. And so he's appealing to the third chakra, that boldness, that brashness, that, quote, freshness, you know, shooting from the hip and gut, the spontaneity. So so Trump is dialed in to those lower chakras. And so there's the Aries archetype. There's a, a bit of that god of war and the scapegoating. Um, and quick-temperedness, but also there's some of that Mercury archetype in there where it's the lover of women's bodies. I mean, he once said, I think it was what Miss America or Miss Universe, whatever pageant hands, you know, he was advocating smaller bikinis and taller heels when he got into <laughs> it. So, so you know, there's the Aries and, and Mercury type thing, and he's, you know, quick to respond emotionally and, and hot-headed, and some of his handlers have, you know, tried to dial him back a little. Um, but then... You know, Hillary, she's appealing to the higher chakras because we have the fifth chakra of will, self-expression, and articulation. You know, she's always been very articulate. Some would say perhaps boring. Um, But, you know, she's got that strong will that um, people admired her for staying with Bill after, you know, he philandered, and they considered that as a type of strength. She also appeals to the sixth chakra, which is vision, and it was just like what you were talking about, takes a village. There's that uh-huh. third eye, sixth chakra, you know, seeing beyond our own personal needs um, of our own families and us, uh, you know, our own little world to the big world. And then she also is appealing to the seventh chakra, which is a sense of uh, almost like a universal morality. Um, you know, uh-huh. she has that strong Methodist upbringing, and, um, you know, she uh, is almost puritanical in some ways. Uh, but there's a, there's almost like a um, you know a seventh chakra connection to higher consciousness. So I think the ba- battleground is the heart. <laughs> you know, so for, for for Trump it's like love for country, love for freedom and wealth, and there's that zeal. But you know, with Hillary it's a love for the less fortunate, the poor, the downtrodden. It's a love of diplomacy, diplomacy and compassion. So I think it's interesting to see you know this all as a big energetic body. You know, and, you know, Trump's below the waist, Hillary's above the waist, and there's a heart in the middle, and, you know, and we're we're trying to get to the root of it here. We're trying to get to, you know, what's really going on. Well, this is what I found quite interesting when I was looking at the um, – the expression of an empress soul energy, which is is what she falls under, Hillary Clinton falls under, and it one of the the attributes of that that empress energy is being quite dialed into aesthetics, you know, liking beauty for beauty's sake, liking the finer things. If you think about most depictions of the empress, she's in a very beautiful, lush garden, uh, you know, verdant beauty all around her. And uh, that quality, when we're looking at it on that human level, it tends to make that person seem very unrelatable on that heart level to those who perhaps are at a lower level, poverty-wise or social class-wise. And even though she has that generosity and that nurturing aspect, it's only on a more one-on-one sort of interaction where she's doing her town halls, she's going around and meeting, you know, one-on-one with people, is that really able to truly shine? Instead, because of her power 
her affluence and wealth, which fits very well into that empress energy, she seems very unrelatable on that uh, on that other level where we question whether she does genuinely care. We question whether she is just politicking up there or, you know, does she genuinely care? And I think that that's where she has the, the biggest sort of divide, if you will, that she's going to have to find a way of bridging because she does it great, like I said, in those smaller venues where it's one-on-one. But as a on a broader level, there's not much of that that is really translated in what is seen. And what is seen almost is, is interpreted, like you said, oh, it's a very contrived, you know, withholding, etc. It's not genuine. It's But in truth, it really, I feel, is with that empress plus world type energy coming into play. The one thing to note with Trump, having, you know, you mentioned that shoot from the hip, you know, no, no bars held type interaction. With him having the combination, because his shadow card, we didn't get a chance to mention that, is the death card. So you're combining the fool, the emperor, and that and that death energy card, which is change, closing of a door. But on this level, it, it kind of speaks to somebody who, again, doesn't really think before they speak. And one of the things I read that was super interesting was that nobody, not Hillary, not Bernie, no other candidate, can beat Trump, only Donald Donald can beat Donald. And I think that we're going to see that with that combination of energy is that ultimately if if he doesn't succeed in this election, it's not going to necessarily be because Hillary Clinton has bridged that divide or really won over that heart center with the American public, but rather because his flash in the pan, fiery, you know, no thinking before speaking or acting eventually is going to get the best of them. What's Hillary's shadow card? She is actually, oh, thank you for reminding me. She is the hanged man. And you had talked about how it was perceived as, you know, powerful for her to stay with Clinton, Bill Clinton, after the affair. In a lot of ways, if you look at the shadow card being the teacher, our life lessons, etc., the hanged man definitely speaks to a sense of martyrdom. You know, yes, she, I was you know, thinking she was crucified. Oh, I seem to have gotten disconnected. Uh oh, are, are you there? there? I am. Can you hear me? My headset. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, my headset started to goof a little. Mercury retrograde. Oh, that's weird. Oh, that's a few yeah, little kicks. Speaking of shadow, <laughs> but yeah. So that I mean, it's that martyr quality. And, and the idea she that she's a a martyr to politics, you know, on the personal level because she was mm-hmm. part of a very strong relationship that obviously went through some very public discord, but also the sense of martyrdom in that she feels this quest with the world energy to be a citizen of the world, to be, you know, an agent of change, not just in her own corner of the world with that empress energy, but as a whole, understanding the interconnectedness of it all. So it's just, it's interesting when you add that to the mix. It is. It makes me want to go back and look at Mary's books. Because basically anybody who's done any birth card work, which I'm familiar with them, I just, I mean, it's been applicable to me. I mean, I've, I've got the chariot and the tower, and by God is it, it the, you know, totally me. But I've seen it in other people, and I'm like, I don't know. But maybe I should study it deeper, because everybody else who's trying to do work on the birth cards are basically just derivations of Mary work, Mary's work. I mean, Mary's like, 
you know, the high priestess of, of birth cards. Anybody else has just dumped it down and try to make it more understandable. But that's, that's also, it's such an interesting thing because I've never thought of Clinton as an empress. In some ways I've thought of her as anti-empress because I don't know if you're old enough to remember this because you're a few years younger than I am, but do you remember when, um, I think it was the time with George Bush, and I don't think it was W. I can't about, remember. But the but the cookies, she, the baking of the cookies. Yeah, about how that? she could have stayed home and baked cookies, yeah. but she chose instead to go out. Yeah, but you see, I don't find that to be anti-empress or anti-parenting. In fact, right. especially as a mother myself of two girls and her having mm-hmm. Chelsea, I see that almost as the greatest empress gift, as being an example of a woman who can take care of her babies and have a right. career too, be of but service see, to the world, nurture the world. But see, our archetypes also color how we view other people. <laughs> see, you've right. got this strong Artemis, and I have a strong Athena, so of course we're going to look at that and say, hell yeah, go, yeah, you know, go, go, go. And I love making <laughs> cookies too. But see, but you know, <laughs> if you're thinking about, you know, the average woman who a lot of them are very um, – you know, either Hestia or, or Demeters or whatever, they're going to look at that and remember it and think she was against homemaking because that's how they blew blew her up. And people a lot of times do not like strong, independent women, period. You know, and it was obvious that, you know, she had a mind of her own. Her story is really fascinating. I really recommend um, people go out and get the book and read the book, A Woman in Charge. It was written oh, years yeah. ago um, by uh, Carl Bernstein who's a very rigorous journalist. So a woman in charge is, I, I read some of it, but I need to go back to it. And it's, you know, I tell you, I've been on the fence about this election. I mean, I never would have voted for Trump, but I was not pro-Hillary. And, you know, but Ron and I were talking last night, and, you know, we, we were sitting at the table like Noah was really, really excited to register to vote since he'll be 18 Monday. And we were all fired up for Bernie. So when Bernie's sold out, which I consider mm-hmm. selling out. I know it depends how you look at it. We were crushed. We're like, no, this can't be. And so we've kind of felt left up in the air. And it's like, well, we can't vote for, you know, Trump because, you know, even though there are some things, I mean, appealing about him, you know, in, in the sense that he doesn't hold back. And I think people are tired of some of this caution and this, this PC crap where you can't just, you know, speak and say what you mean. Everybody's so overly cautious that it looks like everybody is, you know, playing, you know, secret squirrel where they have something to hide. Um, but we were talking last night, and, and I'm like, well, and we're like, who are you going to vote for, Noah? And he's like, I don't know. And, you know, come up, of course, about Benghazi and the emails and things. And, and I said, you know what, though, guys? I said, look at how many lies have been spread about me. Totally not true online. And I'm just, you know, small potatoes. And look how devastating, you know, those lies have been and how they just kept getting passed on as truth with nobody questioning them because people believe what they want to believe. And I says, how do we know that that's not the same for Hillary? I mean, you know, a lot of these things, she's never been up for indictment. And now I'm actually the tightest in in talking to you. Now I'm starting to get swayed. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm going to have to go with Hillary after all. I I recommend reading the book Living History, which is actually the book she wrote about her life. And it gives, again, for somebody who has trouble being truly vulnerable. And that's the other thing I think people need to remember. Number one, Benghazi was a drop in the bucket of a career that spans 35, 40 years. That's and true. she was an activist to, in college. She, she yes, and to you know, and to suggest that I that that an individual I know that there's things in my own yeah. past 
that I would be mortified and I would be so heartbroken if an individual said, well, you know what, everything you did prior and after matter not. We judge you solely on this. And that's oh, what is upsetting that to happen. me. Yeah, exactly. It's, and that's what's upsetting to me because it's that strong woman where it's like, you know what, I don't give a damn what you did prior to this, and I could care less even, you know, now what it is you're, you're after. Let's just talk about this one blemish on your career, yes. which, again, yeah. is is – it's so subjective depending on what it is that you read, who it is that's doing the commentary, True. and where your perception at is already. Because there's yeah. been no indictments and there's been no criminal investigation that produced anything of significance. And I just, frankly, I see the constant uproar around those two things, emails yeah. and Benghazi, yeah. as nothing more than saber-rattling. Let's scare the crap out of everyone and make her... Yeah look even worse and that way she can't even get ahead she can't even get her foot mm -hmm. out of that trench and they've already yeah. won the battle which is what a you lot know, of the, the patriarchy likes to do especially exactly. when it comes to a strong woman and it is and you brought up a great point about it is important to look at the whole span of a person's life for crying out loud it's interesting mm -hmm. there's a double standard here because with trump we're just looking at this groundswell that he's had within the last two years and yet people are ignoring um, his, quote, Trump University, his um, bankruptcies, three. bankruptcy, his frauds, um, mm -hmm. supposedly, and, uh, you know, where money's going. Uh, you know, they, they haven't looked at the whole, the fact that he can't hold a marriage together, it would appear. Um, for, you know, but the, they're, they're not looking at the whole span of his life and how he has, you know, they're not even, you know, bringing it up to him when he said months ago about how he disparages women and calls them pigs. You know, exactly. But Hillary, and Clinton, but but Hillary Clinton, I mean, she followed Bill. She has Bill. to I mean, answer for had... every single infraction. <laughs> exactly. And, and no, but, but the thing is, is people don't focus on the whole of his life. And yet, you know, you look at Hillary's life. I mean, in college, she could have really been a high-powered lawyer. But instead, she followed Bill downtown um, Arkansas and did grassroots stuff, working with the educational system and things like that, you know, this talented And woman, she was initially you know, a young Republican. <laughs> yes, she was, yes. Exactly, yeah. she was brought up with a Republican. So she has, it's interesting how she has that strong moral base of Republican, and yet she has dialed into the Democratic, well, what used to be Democratic anymore, you can't even tell the parties, but what it used to right. be to, you know, alleviate suffering and equaling, you know, the playing field and, and working hard, and um, but yet, you know, giving hand, hand up. And even with Bill Clinton, you know, he, you know, retrospect, history will judge him, I feel, as one of the best presidents we've ever had. Uh, I agree. His, his moral failings, I mean, at the time, you know, I was I despised him, and I thought, you just can't keep your dick in your pants, you know, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of politicians. Um, and I thought, you just, you creep, you know, but at that time, you know, I was very influenced by my fundamentalist Christian upbringing, where it was all about morality, but then, you know, you realize, well, hell, Jimmy Swaggart can't even resist prostitutes, you know, so you're like, wait a minute, okay, there, there has to be more to judge a person than some of their moral failings, you have to kind of look at the whole picture of what they've done, and nobody really has, um, you know, established us in a good light, and with diplomacy, and, and you know, good feelings and goodwill since Bill Clinton, you know, and so history will judge, but then sometimes that's too late. And I think that we're right yeah, now yeah. on a precipice to make it's, it's interesting that you say that the death card is um, 
Trump's shadow card. His shadow. Because I do believe we are at a death moment, and it's not like, a, oh, the death of the country if Trump gets it. What I mean is that people are tired of the status quo, period, and they want to Oh, right. Right. Yeah, That's so why I said it, to me it's more on that mm-hmm. broader level. It, it really ultimately Absolutely. has less to do with the individuals who are embodying each right. nominee and more of that broader level sort of divine feminine versus the status quo, patriarchy, empress yeah. or emperor yeah. type energy, however you want to look at it. And yeah. the fact that one way or the other, there is going to be a radical death energy shifts that take place in the country. It's either going to go back, take us backwards or forwards. Right, or it could do a little bit of both. I mean, frankly, yeah. I'm of the mindset that whoever wins is likely only going to be a one-term president anyways because I'm just not uh. sure that we're ready for either a woman in office or a man like Trump. And I see hmm. more like Trump is just going to end up you know, cutting his nose despite his face, but I just I feel like we'll we'll test the waters because there's no other choice. But ultimately, yeah. I don't know that either of them will make it to a second term. Hey, you never know. Trump could always change. I mean, I know that's crazy, but <laughs> you know, he could he could always he, he could he could always upgrade his archetypes. Like he could become he a full-on Manchurian candidate <laughs> instead you of know? only a halfway Manchurian candidate. <laughs> Anyways, we're up on time today. (laughs) I wish we could keep on going because this is a spirited discussion that I could go (laughs) on for hours. But um, why don't you take us off, Janet, and give us a rundown real quick of who we have Tuesday, and uh, we'll see everybody then. Well, this Tuesday we have Yona DeHome, who is the director of publicity for Atria Books, and Atria is a subdivision of Simon & Schuster. And we are going to talk about whether black lives really matter. With all the shootings going on, um, the unarmed men being gunned down, um, the black community is understandably outraged. And we white women are getting ticked off too. And so we're going to talk to her about um, just how, how the black community feels, what white people can do about it, and just to hopefully have some dialogue and reach some understanding about what at a ground level we can do. Next Thursday, we're going to be having Jim Harold of the Paranormal Podcast and the Campfire Ghost Stories. And I'm so excited that we're going to have him here because I've been on his show a few times. So it's going to be really cool to turn the tables and ask him how he got into paranormal podcasting, what he's learned, how it's changed his life, and things like that. So Very we're excited. Cool. We're going to, we have a lot of cool stuff coming up. And please visit our blog, athena.zone. Yes, Zone is like a .com, so Athena.Zone, and you'll see all our archived radio shows. You'll find out how to go to our individual websites. And comment and tell us what you like to hear and what you like about our shows. All right, everyone. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye.